0: The greatest work of the Holy Spirit on the earth today takes place in the hearts of human beings. Your heart, the Bible teaches us, is the irreducible you. It's the core of who you are. Jesus speaks about people's hearts being soft or people's hearts being hardened. When the gospel is sown like seeds, it's sown in the soil of people's hearts. Good things can come out of people's hearts in what they say and what they do. But Jesus also tells us that all manner of evil things also come out of people's hearts. The heart is the holy of holies of the human life. And that's where the altar of devotion to God is found, in your inner person, in the deep, deep part of who you are, your heart. You know, you can live without your body. took a funeral last week, and as we put the body into the grave, I reminded everybody, but the person who lived in that body, was no longer there. We were burying their body, but the person, the real person, if I can put that 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 way, was in heaven right now in the presence of the Lord because they were a Christian. Now, it's the heart that matters. And all the good that can happen on the earth will come out of the heart. But also all the evil that happens on the earth can also come out of the heart. And the Bible teaches us that the heart of the trouble... Is trouble in the heart. Whatever trouble there is in humankind today, you can trace it in the heart. The heart of the trouble is trouble in the heart. And the Christian's life can be seen in terms of being a temple. And so in this three-part series, we're going to look at the fact that the New Testament reflects on the temple and tabernacle of the Old Testament and says that what happened in the Old Testament temple now happens in the life of the believer. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are a priesthood of all believers. And also, we are the living sacrifice, So these images of the Old Testament temple or tabernacle, the tabernacle was the tent that was set up during the time of Moses that could be moved around as they travelled on their way into the Promised Land and then that tabernacle or the tent became a permanent temple in the days of Solomon. As we look at the use of the temple and see what the New Testament says, we begin to understand how God wants us to function as temple as priest and as living sacrifice in the world today and that's what we're going to be speaking about. Welcome to all of you that are joining us from around the world. It's great to have you joining us and beneath the screen you can join the conversation if you like by putting in a prayer request or uh, just saying hi and where you're from. The Old Testament temple or tabernacle was the place where God dwelt. Now, we know that that God is everywhere. But in the Old Testament, he instructed Moses to construct a special place that would be his dwelling and his house. It would be the place where he would visit his people. In the temple, or sorry, in the tabernacle, or when Solomon uh, took that tabernacle tent and made it a temple, this house of the Lord was a place where God's main activity on earth took place. It was a place of sacrifice, a place of intercession, a place of worship and a place of glory in the tabernacle. That's where God would visit with his presence and his glory. Do you remember when Solomon dedicated the uh, temple on the first day and God came in such glory and presence that like a cloud, he filled the temple and he was so heavy in his presence that nobody could minister, nobody could move because the glory of God turning up was so powerful. It was God's dwelling place. It was also chiefly a place of sacrifice and blood. This is where all the sacrifice took place in the tabernacle and then the temple. It was a place of altars and it was a place of blood. It's where God dealt with the sins of mankind that were keeping them away from relationship with him. There was the Day of Atonement once a year. Only the great high priest once could enter into the Holy of Holies of the temple tabernacle. And on that one Day of Atonement, he would put blood on the altar for the sins of the nation. And if it was accepted, then the people would be free to continue in the blessing of God. It was a place of blood. Imagine the temple in Jerusalem on the day of Passover as thousands and thousands and thousands of people brought their sacrificial lamb to be slain in the temple courts and offered uh, for sin that God would pass over the sins of his people with grace Through the sacrifice of a lamb that paid with its blood and life so that human beings could be free. A type of Jesus who is the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And so Jerusalem would be filled with blood from the temple mount running down all the streets. Blood in the gutters from the temple. So God's house, God's temple was a place of sacrifice, a place of presence. It was also a place of intercession. It was a place where people sought the Lord and and, and came to the Lord and, and asked the Lord to have mercy and the priests went to God on behalf of the people and the people's needs and interceded and prayed on their behalf. It was a place of his dwelling, a place of sacrifice, a place of intercession, a place of glory and a place of worship. Day and night there were specific Levitical priests that were given the role to constantly give up worship to the Lord and to minister to the Lord through praise and singing and worship and sacrifice. And, and God's house was filled with the incense, the smell of incense that would be part of this worship that would ascend to God. And that worship would touch God, and that worship would have an effect on God. And sometimes in his great justifiable anger, he would smell, in human terms, this soothing aroma of sacrifice mixed with incense. And instead of bringing people the judgment that they deserve, he would relent. He would have mercy. Worship touched his heart. These are the pictures of the temple in the Old Testament, God's dwelling place, place of blood and sacrifice, intercession, worship, glory, with a holy of holies with an altar right at the center of it, center of it. Well, the New Testament we'll come to the passage in a moment, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, says that you, if you're a believer here today, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a reading from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 following. If you're a cell leader here today and you receive the email with our cell notes, there's a mistake on it. The, the, key, the key passage is 1 Peter chapter 2, not 2 Peter chapter 1. So just a correction there. We've changed it on the, things, on the hard copies we have available at the end. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God." Peter is calling on the people to separate themselves from worldliness and fleshliness, such as deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. He's calling on them to grow in the word of God and to come to the foundation stone because they are living stones. Well, this is temple language. And what Peter is saying is this, is just like the temple that was in Jerusalem had a foundation stone upon which the whole building and the altars were founded upon and where all the temple activity took place upon the foundation stone or cornerstone. So in the New Testament, God has given us a spiritual foundation stone for our lives and worship activity, a cornerstone, it's Jesus himself. But not just that Jesus is the foundation of the new temple of God on the earth today, not made with hands. But we too have a part. We have become spiritual living stones in this new global temple of God. Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts, He was martyred, and one of the things that he was martyred for was because he said that God does not live in temples made by human hands. Think about Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 19 and 22. Think about what he said. He looked at the temple, and that temple had been built by Herod. Forty years it took to complete. It had just been completed in, in, in the recent months. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. And they said, what are you talking about? As they looked at Herod's temple. It took 40 years for this temple to be built, and you're going to raise it up again in three days. But John's gospel tells us the temple that he was speaking about was the temple of his body. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, John chapter 1 says. Tabernacled, templed amongst us. Jesus became God's temple on earth. He was the holy of holies. And when he died on the third day, that temple was raised from the dead. And he now sits at the right hand in priestly ministry, praying for us by the power of his blood shed on Calvary. But he has a body on earth and we are his body, the body of Christ. And we are the temple. You and I together make up God's temple on earth. Think about that. Not a temple made of stone in Jerusalem. God is done with temple stones. He destroyed the temple in AD 70 and it'll never be rebuilt again. God's temple now resides in the hearts of human beings that follow him. A far greater temple than a little place on, uh, on, uh, on the temple hill in Jerusalem. All that fighting, all that arguing over a few square meters of stone when God is filling temple stones of millions and millions and millions of Christians all around the world. Isn't that a better temple? Every Christian, a stone in that temple. Wow, these are amazing things. But what does it mean for us? Because today, I'm focusing on the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, a living stone. Next week, we'll look at the fact that you are a priest. And the week after, that you are also the sacrifice, a living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 And verse 19 says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, you might like to turn to it. The background to it is that Paul is ministering to the Corinthians. And uh, they're in a mess. And they are abusing their bodies. Sorry, I'm just trying to find it. There. they're abusing their bodies. Do you not know that your, tem- your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a great price, therefore, glorify God in your bodies. I haven't got time to go into all the verses before, but if you glance at them, you can see that uh, the Corinthians are involved in all kinds of physical abuses of their bodies, spiritual abuses of their bodies. They're involved in prostitution, uh, they are. Um, They are uh, involved in gluttony of food. Later on in Corinthians, we know some people are committing all kinds of sexual perversity and some people are refusing even to have sex in, in the marriage covenant. What's going on here? Well, the Corinthians were plagued by Greek thought that at the time thought that the body was not important. The idea that was that God is spirit and that everything spiritual is important, but the body uh, at best is of no value and at worst is evil. So, this took on two forms: one form was this: well, because God is spirit and your spirit is everything, you can do whatever you like with your body it doesn 't matter because your body's physical, not spiritual, so you can abuse it, you can be a you can be gluttony, you can be a drunkard uh, you 're going to have sex when and however you want it doesn 't matter, they thought because it 's all about your spirit, not your body and the Corinthians were plagued by this this, this worldly thinking. the other uh, extreme was that. Your body is evil and your spirit is good. And so you should treat your body very harshly. Uh, Don't look after it. Treat it badly. It was an extreme form of asceticism. And the Corinthians in Corinth at this time and and before, there, there was a huge mountain that overlooks Corinth. And on that mountain was a huge pagan temple. And for centuries the pagan worship at that temple was mixed up with with, with um, uh, uh, ritual prostitution. Some sources say that it's at, at times there were thousands of prostitutes, male and female, in this temple. So people would go and worship their pagan gods and part of their worship would be in sexual immorality. And Paul was dealing with this and so that's why he comes and says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? What's God saying to us about this? Well, how do you view your body? Have you ever really, really thought or really meditated on the fact that your body is the temple. It's not the temple that used to be in Jerusalem, or the tabernacle tent that that Moses would, would carry around portably through the wilderness, but God has now said that your body is a temple. And not a temple of idols, but a temple of the very Holy Spirit. God who brought by the word of God, brought everything into being that is in being, that God, the Holy Spirit, has chosen to have a temple for him to dwell in and to do all the things that he did in the Old Testament, and that temple is your body. Are you, is there anybody here today that is in danger of being like the Corinthians, not treating your body with the respect that it should be because God calls it a temple, a house for him? Perhaps you are uh, struggling with uh, sexual things that aren't in God's order. So were the Corinthians. Changes can be made. Help is there for you, not only in our cell groups, but also you can get in touch with us, and we have counselors available for you, pastors available for you. Or could it be that you... Don't understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What I mean by this is, uh, I don't actually go to a gym on a regular basis, so I'm going to be upfront with that. I go swimming once a week, twice, if I'm being very good. But I know enough to know about gyms that some people go to gyms to keep their body fit and trim and in health. But also there's a danger that people tend to worship their bodies in the gym. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they become obsessed by their physical body and go totally overboard in the gym so that literally they're almost in their lifestyle worshipping their bodies rather than understanding that these aren't to be worshipped, but they're the temple, the habitation of the Lord. Maybe you don't worship your body, maybe you hate your body. Often there's a lot of self-loathing where where people don't like what they see in the mirror and it it affects them traumatically, psychologically, with different disorders and and they hate the body that that they're in and and maybe even to the place of self-harming. There's help for you. We can help you with this. You can get in touch with us. We have cells and we have pastors that are available for you. But don't you understand? Don't dislike or despise what God has called his temple that he wants to live in. Could you be affecting your body with substance abuse that's not conducive to looking after the temple of the Lord? Let me put it this way. We're in a building today, those of you that are joining us on the internet know that we're in a building in Notting Hill Gate called Kensington Temple. And we've just had some refurbishment in the foyer and we've had some great feedback about how it's improved people's experience of the building. Thank you for that. And this is a very busy building and uh, we try to keep it at a, a good standard of repair. But can you imagine if we just let things go? If we didn't care about how this building was and you came in, you thought this is a scruffy, terrible building. You would think, well, why don't they take care of a place that is designated for a congregation to meet uh, to praise the Lord? Why don't they take care of this temple? Well, why don't you take care of the temple that God has given you? It's a word for someone here today. You know, if someone comes to visit us in our house or our flat or our room or wherever we are, if it's a very important person, normally we clean up in uh, in readiness for their visit, don't we? And the more important the person to us and the more special the guest, the more we might clean house to prepare for them to come. I do my fair share. Okay, that's a lie. I do some of the. No, I just realized I better, better not portray myself as something that I'm not. Um, that was a quick conviction, wasn't it? Before it was out of my mouth, I was repenting. I do some of the uh, cleaning and help in the house. But whenever we have guests, uh, my wife, Nicola, I mean, she gives the place such a cleaning. And I'm thinking, aren't you know what, you're going over the top a bit? I mean, no one's going to look out under the cupboard, Nicola. She says, I know if it's dirty. And so there's this preparation for for people to come. I mean, if the queen visits a, a school or something, that school, even though she's only going to be there for an hour or so, they'll put new carpets in, they'll paint the walls, won't they? They'll spend weeks preparing the place for the queen to come in to enter. Well, if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit... And he has chosen to make his dwelling place on earth, not in a tent tabernacle or a stone temple in Jerusalem. But he's chosen to make his dwelling place and home in you. How's your temple cleaned up for the Holy Spirit to live in? I hope we've not just allowed him to live in the box room of our lives, but I hope that we've opened up our lives as an open plan flat where the Holy Spirit can walk about anywhere and feel comfortable. You know, I always think about students when they uh, have had college accommodation, And then they have to live out, and maybe five or six of them club together to rent a house. And the question is always, who's going to have the big room? But even more, who's going to have the little box room with no cupboard in it? Are we giving the Holy Spirit a little box room in our lives? Now, whatever state you're in as a Christian, he lives in you. But the question is, are we making the Holy Spirit feel at home in our lives? The Corinthians weren't. And Paul was reminding them to make adjustments in the way that they lived, to sanctify themselves because they had a very special guest who'd been poured into their hearts, the love of God by the Holy Spirit. Your heart is where the Holy Spirit lives. It's the holy of holies of the human life, and within it is the temple of dedication to the Lord. We need a clean house. Sanctify. What does that mean to sanctify? It means to cleanse. It means to separate. It means to consecrate for a very special purpose. I won't turn to it, but 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. Paul says, you know, in a house there's many different vessels. And uh, some are for good use, for bad use. All types of different utensils and vessels and household purpose goods. But he says, you can take any of these vessels and you can use them as vessels of honour. You can separate them for special use. Do you remember the Old Testament temple? Any utensil, anything that was used there had to be specially separated from normal use. You couldn't use it in your kitchen one day and then in the Holy of Holies the next day. You had to have special, consecrated, sanctified, anointed, separate utensils for the Old Testament. And Paul is saying that in a house, you you can separate, you can cleanse, you can use something special. Does any of you in your homes have special cutlery, special plates, special goblets for special occasions? I think I'm telling you too much about my personal life today, but I get told off on a regular basis for using special dishes and glasses and cutlery for normal purposes. I like it. I like I like bone china. I like crystal glasses. I like silver knives and forks. And I like to eat my fish and chips with them. <laughs> Nicola has other ideas. Bruce, why are you using the best cutlery? That's for special occasions. And I'm saying, well, why do we have to just use it for Christmas? Anyway, enough about that. You get enough about that. You can see where that's headed. Special. What about you? What about you being separated, consecrated, dedicated to a very special purpose? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Think about this. The Old Testament temple, the Old Testament tabernacle was a place of God's dwelling, a place of sacrifice, a place of intercession, a place of worship and a place of glory. So, where is God's dwelling place? Where does God's intercession take place? Where does sacrifice take place? Where does worship take place? And where is God's glory today if there's no more temple or tabernacle? The answer is you and I. We are to operate as God's temples. Operate. This is where the work of God is primarily done in the temple. Now the temple of the Holy Spirit which is you and I. There is no temple for sacrifices to be taken place but we've already read that there are spiritual sacrifices. In the third of this series we'll be looking at the fact that Paul says present your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice. We are the temple, we are the altar, we are the priests and we are the sacrifice. God's Temple work now takes place in our hearts. So in our hearts, God dwells and he wants to expand his dwelling place into all the rooms of our lives as we clean them and prepare them for him. It's a place of sacrifice in our hearts, the sacrifice of praise. We talk about that, where when we worship God, We don't just sing songs, but something is happening. It's the incense that comes from our hearts. It's the praise that comes from our hearts, not our lips only, but the heart that comes out of our mouth to the Lord that ministers to God. In your personal devotions, in your cell devotions, in our congregation devotions, when we sing, we have a priestly opportunity. There's no more incense in physical temples, no more special Levite priests offering praise and worship all the time to minister to the Lord. That is our job. We're the temples of sacrifice of praise. God loves your praise when it comes from your heart. It touches him. It affects him. It ministers to him. It blesses him and it causes us to bless him in return. It's a place of worship. It's a place of intercession. The priest would go into the temple on behalf of the nation and the people and they would seek God for their blessing, seek God. for. What about us? We are now the house of intercession. I mentioned Jesus in the temple saying that his body was the temple that he would raise up. But just before that, what did he do? He cleansed the temple, didn't he? He had to cleanse the temple at the beginning of his uh, uh, ministry and also he cleansed it at the end. And his big thing and his driving force as he cleansed the court of the Gentiles was this This is meant to be a house of prayer for the nations. Well, there is no temple in Jerusalem that's a house of prayer. So, who is the temple and the house of prayer? You are. I am. God by the power of his Holy Spirit from deep within us in our hearts he wants to flow rivers of intercession that come from his heart into our heart then out of our mouths we are the places of intercession your prayer life is very precious to God your prayer is priestly temple intercession to God your worship is priestly worship and it ministers to God God wants to put his glory in in, in our, in our lives. A living stone. It's not just that we are temples by ourselves, we are. But together, Peter said, we are living stones, a living building, not a dead building. You can see some of the rocks that were part of the temple still there in Jerusalem. They're not living. They can't talk back to you. You can put your little prayers in the crevices, but the rocks won't turn back to you. But you, you're a living stone. Wherever you go, you're taking the temple of the Lord with you. The glory, the worship, the intercession, the sacrifice, the habitation of God. Wherever you go, he goes. You're a walking tabernacle of God's glory. I'm reminding some of you of this and maybe some of you are learning things for the first time because God wants us to function as temples. And when you connect with me and I connect with you and these living stones find their right places in this global temple, not made of rock, but made of human hearts, Isn't that a wonderful thing? I said it earlier, but let me say it again. Millions and millions and millions of living stones... When operating correctly and connected to one another in local groups and fellowships and churches, all of a sudden we have this incredible, supernatural, active temple of the Lord all over the world, praying and worshipping and carrying the glory of God and interceding. What an incredible body of Christ. What an incredible temple potential of God on earth. Now, the temple stone that you are and the temple stone that's next to you, God has placed us together. And and sometimes those stones don't quite fit together. Sometimes the stone next to you can be a little bit uncomfortable to the stone that you are. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're a living stone, but you still need some chiselling. We all need some chiselling. And so sometimes we rub up against one another. There's an awkwardness between living stones, but God is at work. And when we yield to God and his ways, then we become perfectly chiselled stones in just the right place, just the right part of the living temple to be maximally, maximally effective. As our stones come together and are chiseled and moulded into the right place, we amplify the temple of the Lord. There's something about an individual believer when they praise the Lord and worship the Lord. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's something different and special when two or three are gathered together in my name. When two or three living stones come together, then they The temple worship of intercession, praise worship, all these things I've said, expands and uh, not only expands, but is amplified. And then when we come together in congregation worship, if we're living stones, we amplify the ministry of God's temple on earth. Well, as I close and we go into a time of priestly ministry with the Lord, let me encourage you to fulfill your temple purpose. Temple purpose. Your temple purse purpose is a life of worship in thought and word and deed. I won't go into detail here, but in your cell groups you'll be discussing this. You're a temple. Worship. How do you worship? In thought. May the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. In word, let no unwholesome thing come out of your mouth, but be encouraging and upbuilding. And indeed, let your good works go before you. A life of worship in thought and word and deed. A cleansing of the temple. Jesus came in and cleansed the temple. Zeal for my house consumes you, me. If he was so zealous about some bricks put together on a hill, how zealous and jealous is he for the cleansing, purifying and consecrating of our lives. A house of prayer. And then finally, as I've said, connecting with other living stones around us to build and amplify the temple of the Lord on earth.